We've been in a series lit up, and uh, let's read together our theme verse uh, for this series. It's found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and read out loud together, okay? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, Isaiah wrote this some 700 years before the Messiah would come. And uh, he was writing at a time when uh, judgment was about to come on the nation of Israel and Judah. And uh, it was dark. It was a season of darkness, not just for the nation physically, but also spiritually. Uh, There were many, many uh, seasons of the nation just walking away from their father and not walking in the ways of God. And yet Isaiah, under the power of the Holy Spirit, foresaw and prophesied of a time when even in the darkness, a light would come. And as we saw last week, and if you missed last week, you can go online and listen again, but, or, or listen for the first time. But we saw that even as the nation was stumbling in darkness, uh, God never left them in the dark, did he? That there, were all, there was always the shadow of his light, And shadows prove that there is light because without light, there can be no shadows. And as they walked in the shadows, there was still light. And God had shown himself in shadows and types. And the way of salvation was already present. Jesus, the Messiah, was already present uh, previous to his coming physically. And there's a promise to us that God doesn't leave us in the dark either. And we know this is true. Because 2,000 years ago, 700 years before he came, the prophet wrote, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light and the prophecy has been fulfilled. But uh, darkness and light are a little confounding, aren't they? When you're in pitch black darkness, it is human tendency, it is natural, we all do this. When it is completely dark, our, our eyes strain to see even a sliver of light. And this is true of our souls as well, isn't it? That when we are under the cloud of darkness, our souls, our very selves, strain to see even just a sliver of hope, a sliver of light. And when we see the light, our eyes and our bodies and our, our souls are drawn to the light. And yet, isn't it true also that sometimes when the light shines on us, it terrifies us? Because there's things that we did in the dark that we want left in the dark. It's a, it's a confounding thing. We, we desire the light, and yet when the light comes, sometimes we push the light away. It's kind of like, uh, you ever wash a window? I know many of you have. But in the, you, you do it on a cloudy day or in the dark, and you wash the window or you wash your, your, your windshield, and then all of a sudden the light shows up, and you're like, oh my The light just revealed all the imperfections that were left in the dark, right? The light just has this ability to to show up all the imperfections. And in that moment, usually we think, uh, honey, we need to buy some blinds, right? We're just going to cover over that because we can't get it perfectly clean. I mean, the light just seems to reveal the imperfections. And this is often true of our lives spiritually as well. When the light shows up, there's something in us that that wants to cover over the light or deflect the light from the imperfections that are shown in us. You know, as we celebrate Christmas, and we're in this series entitled Lit Up, that Jesus came as light. 
Christmas reveals, brings revelation to light. And what we're gonna see today is what is it that the revelation revealed? What is it that the light revealed? And then what would it look for us in light of the light to not deflect, to not cover over, but to actually embrace the light as it has come? So let's start with what is it that the Christmas story reveals? And if, if you have your Bibles, turning them to John chapter one. We're gonna read John's version of the Christmas story, the coming of the light. And he does it kind of in cryptic ways. He, he, he doesn't define it fully at the beginning. It's like, it's a light that, that shows a sliver and then he continues to open up the door and the light shines brighter and brighter until we see the full revelation of what he's talking about. And he starts this way in John chapter one, Verse one, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, which just sounds a little confusing, doesn't it? If you ever tried to memorize this passage, it's like, what, what goes where and when and how? But he, he defines for us, in the beginning was the word and he doesn't tell us what the word is, not immediately. The word he uses is the Greek word logos, had different kind of connotations for the Hebrews and the Greeks. So he says, in the beginning. So what we know about the word was, the word was there from the beginning. And then he reveals a little bit more, and the word was with God. The word, whatever or whoever it is, was in close relationship with Father God. And then he reveals a little bit more, and oh, by the way, the word was God. So was he God or was he in relationship with God? And John would say, yes. He was in closest relationship with the Father, distinct from the Father, yet equivalent with the Father. He was God. And then he says, and he reveals a little bit more, he was with God in the beginning. And here we see something about the word. The logos was not a thing. The logos is a person. And he continues to reveal more and more. He says this, and this is so interesting. And, and for many years, I just thought this was an add-on. But it's so significant. He says, through him, again, a person, all things were made. And then just to make sure that we don't mess it up, he says it in the negative. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And at first I, I was like, why would he say it in so many different ways? And here's what I think he's getting at. Through him, through the word, the logos, all things were made, which means he is the creator. But then just to make sure that we don't mess anything up, he says, without him, apart from him, nothing was made that has been made, which means anything and everything that's ever been created was created through him, which means he was not created. Oh. He has always been. He is the uncreated one. He is one with the creator, Father God. And we know this about God, that God was never created because had another being created God, then that being would be supreme over God and God would not be God. The other being would be God. And of this word, John says, through him, 
He is the uncreated one because anything and everything that has ever been created was created through him. And then he goes on, he reveals, he's just opening the door and the light is shining in. Who is this word? He goes on, in him was life and that life was the light of mankind, of all mankind. All things that have been given life have come from him because life itself is in him. And then he reveals a bit more. And he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In him was life and that life was the light of mankind, all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something someone said 700 years before John said this? The people walking in darkness have seen, have seen with their own eyes, physically have seen a great light. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. And then John, you can read this more. We don't have time to get into all of it. But John would continue to open up the door and the light would continue to shine. And then later he would say, and he, the Logos, became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. And we have seen the light that the prophet Isaiah spoke about. And then in verse 18, he gives us full clarity of who this is. He says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. Do you see how he goes back to, the, to, to verse one? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and the one and only son who himself is God and yet is in closest relationship with the father. He is distinct from and yet fully equivalent with the father. He is the son, Jesus. As we come to Christmas, Christmas was revelation because when Jesus came, he came as light to reveal the Father to us. And this is why the Apostle Paul, some, some years after Jesus came, would write to the church in Colossae, he would say, the Son is the image of the invisible God. The God who is invisible and cannot be seen has now become visible. Wow. And then the writer of Hebrews would say something similar. He said, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God or of God's glory, and the exact representation, not a close, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus came as light to reveal the Father to us. The invisible has become visible. That which was overshadowed, and, and the one who has said, when Moses said, I want to see your face, and God said, you can't see my face or you will die, came in a babe, as a babe, in a manger, born of a virgin, born the son of God. Not less than the father, but equivalent with the father. 
not a created being as the son of God, but the uncreated one as the son of God. Wow. But this brings attention because Jesus came as light to show us the Father. But when we come in contact with the light, that light also reveals something of us, doesn't it? And we see this play out in the most famous, I think the most famous disciple Jesus had. His name is Peter. And Peter, before he was a disciple of Jesus, was a fisherman. And Luke chapter 5 tells us that as, as Simon Peter uh, was sitting on the, on, the, on the seashore, Jesus was teaching a large crowd and Peter was listening in, part of the crowd, as he's cleaning his nets. And along the way, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, can I stand in your boat, put out a little way so I can teach the people? There's so many of them. My voice will carry better, probably, this is why, carry better over the water. And so Peter says, sure, you can use my boat, it's here. And he keeps cleaning his nets and he's listening in with the crowd. And after Jesus is done te teaching, Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, why don't you put out and, and go fishing? <laughs> and Peter pushes back at first. He says, no, 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 no. We just fished all night. I just pulled an all-nighter. I've been cleaning my nets. They're pretty close to clean. If I go out fishing now, I'm going to have to clean my nets again. I won't get my afternoon siesta. And nobody fishes fishes in the middle of the day. This is a bad idea. But then he says, but because you say so, you know what? Let's give it a shot. You know, he's kind of a wild child. You know this about Peter, right? He's like, let's try something fun. So he does. And a miracle happens. And not only does Peter catch enough fish to fill his own boat, it's enough fish to fill his own boat and his friend's boat. It is more fish than they could have ever imagined catching in the middle of the day after they just spent all night not catching a thing. And when Peter, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. In that moment, the light went on in Peter's mind and two things were revealed to him. The first light that went on was, you're not just a rabbi, are you? People call you teacher, miracle worker, but you are more than a rabbi. You're more than a teacher. You're more than a miracle worker. In fact, earlier in the story, he had used the word master. And then he says, no, no, no. You're not even just a master. You're more than that. You are Lord. And the moment the light went on that said, you are Lord, another light went on. Oh shoot, I'm in the presence of the Lord. And suddenly what became clear to him I don't deserve, I have no right to stand in this place. And what was revealed to him as well in the light of Jesus, the uncreated one, the one through whom all things were made, as that begins to be revealed to him, he says, Lord, I am a sinful man. You should leave me. And here is the beauty of what happens next. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, ah, no, don't worry about it. You're not as bad as you think. Ah, yeah, maybe you did some things and uh, you didn't maybe mean it. You weren't fully aware. Jesus doesn't dissuade him from what he's just realized. He acknowledges the full truth. You are sinful. And you don't deserve to be near me but he meets it with full grace. 
says, follow me. Come after me anyways. See, Jesus came as light to reveal the Father to us. But in the presence of the light, Jesus' light also reveals our own darkness, doesn't it? And although we long for and we strain for and we chase the light, sometimes when we get to the light, we say, whoa, 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 I don't want the light. It terrifies me. But here is the beauty of what Jesus has done. As the babe come in a manger, he not only reveals our darkness, he transforms it to his light. This is his full truth coming in contact with his full grace for you and for me. So how does he do that? How does he transform us? What would it look for us to to stand in his presence and walk in the light and receive his light and not cover it over or deflect it away? How do we walk in the light? Well, John, who wrote, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning, says this about how we walk and embrace the light. It's found in his little letter entitled 1 John, same writer, just a different name. So turn your Bibles to the end of your Bibles, right near the end, to 1 John chapter one. And John describes for us, here's how we're to live in light of the light. 1 John chapter one, starting in verse five, he says, this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and declare to you, God is light. Wait a second. Didn't you say Jesus is light? Yes, because they are equivalent. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. God is truth, God is good, he is right. There is no deception, there is no lies, there is no darkness within the Father God. So in light of this light, as we come in contact with this light, he says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, that is God, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We are liars if we claim to say, I have fellowship with God and yet do not walk in the light. If we continue in darkness, yet claim with our mouth that we're in the light, we're liars. And the reason is this, spiritually speaking, John is saying that darkness and light cannot coexist together at the same time. It is not possible. This is actually true physically. I actually brought, um, I found some darkness at home and I put it in my box. I'm going to show you my darkness because I boxed it up. I found it at home. It's awesome. So just take a look here. Wait, where'd it go? I was sure it was in there when I left home. But here's the thing. And you know, this is silly. You cannot shed light on darkness and the darkness remain. Darkness and light cannot coexist at the same time. Light will always push out darkness. And so if we claim to be in the presence and have fellowship, be in close proximity with the Father and yet walk in darkness, then we must not be in close proximity with the Father because the Father always pushes the darkness away. The light always pushes the darkness away. And so he says, this is how light and dark works. And then he goes on and says, but if we walk in the light in fellowship with the Father, as he is in the light, because he is light, then we have fellowship. And this is the interesting thing. He doesn't say fellowship with the Father. Of course we do. But there's another fellowship that takes place. Then we have fellowship with one another, with others who are also in 
the light. Why, how, here's why. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It is only by the blood of Jesus who purifies us from sin that our darkness is removed and we stand in the light. Jesus reveals our darkness, but he doesn't just reveal it. If we embrace his light, he will transform our darkness into light. So what do we do with our darkness? And how do we receive that light? John's like, I'm glad you asked, here's how. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In essence, he says, all of us have sinned. In fact, maybe the greatest deception in this world is to think, I am not sinful. The greatest deception of this world is to think, I don't have darkness in my life. Because if you don't believe and you do not realize the darkness in your own life, you will never receive the light that is coming. You have no need for it. But if we claim to be without sin and we have all sinned, then we are liars to ourselves. We deceive ourselves. So what do we do with the sin? How do we approach our own sin? and allow the light to cleanse it. Here's what he says. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It turns out that walking in the light starts not with perfection. It starts with confession. And this is where I think many of us as humans, including those of faith and those of not faith yet, we get this wrong. Because we have this hunch, and I think it's true. God is powerful. He is. And we have this hunch, and it's true. God is holy and good, and it's true. And we have this hunch. If I was to get into his presence, I wouldn't belong there, and it's true because of my own sin. But then we get it wrong because we do this. I must cover over my sin so that I belong with the Father. I must deflect the light that is exposing my darkness so that I can be in the presence of my Father. And we think maybe I have to be perfect like my heavenly Father is perfect so that I can be in his presence. And we do all these things to cover over and we become hypocrites. And rather than the light and embracing the light, we push the light away. And John tells us the way we, we receive the light, the way we walk in the light is to receive it even as it exposes us. And we receive the light as sinners. We are all sinful. We receive it through confession. It's why Jesus, in his prayer that he taught his disciples, built in confession. It's already there so that we would be those who receive the light. John continues, he continues to just open his up. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And this is just interesting. So before he called us liars, if we claim not to be with sin, now he says, if you claim not to be with sin, you're actually calling God a liar as well. Because God has already said in his word through the apostle Paul, for all have sinned. There is darkness in each of us. What are we to do? Embrace the light. So if I embrace the light and I confess my sin, how is it that he transforms it from darkness to light? And John's like, I'm glad you asked. Let me show you. My dear children, 
I write this to you so that you will not sin. The goal is perfection. The goal is to live without sin. But he knows we're gonna sin. So here's what God does with our sin as we confess it. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Every time we sin, as we confess it to Jesus, we have an advocate who takes our sin to the Father on our behalf and says, I've already paid for that. I can transform that to light. Here's how. Because he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is the one that takes our sins and he pays for it and he atones for it so that our darkness can be changed in his light, to his light. You know, it's interesting that this past week we had seniors brunch and one of, I think it was one of the ladies came in and she was looking at uh, our um, decorations and we have a little uh, decoration stand on, the, on your way in. I don't know if you noticed it. And she said, I've never seen a Christmas decoration like this. I just want to say thanks to those who did our decorating. But there's a manger and it's the Christmas scene, but behind the manger is the cross. And it tied Easter and Christmas together, which they are always meant to be tied together. Because when God came as light in the form of Jesus, he came not just to reveal who the Father is and what our darkness is actually like. He came to transform us into the image of the one he loves. <laughs> John continues, after we have had our sins atoned for, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. John really likes that talk, doesn't he? He does that a lot. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. As our darkness is transformed to light, it shows up in our fruit. That's in essence what John is saying that it starts to show up in our lives. Our lives begin to be formed into the image of Christ. And he makes this little statement, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And your translation might be different. It's hard to translate this little Greek phrase into English. One translation, this one says, our love for God is made complete in our obedience, that we show our love, the idea is this, that we show our love for God through our obedience. This is what Jesus said in John, I think it's 14. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. You will show your love by your obedience. But another translation, and maybe yours says this, is that God's love is made complete in us. And I think this is true as well. That as we live in obedience to Jesus, our experience of his love becomes complete. We experience it in a fuller, way as we live in obedience to him. So you see, Jesus came as light to reveal the Father to us. And Jesus' light also reveals our darkness, but he transforms it into his light. Timothy Keller once said, the gospel, the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, says you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. But... You are more accepted and loved than you could have ever dared hope. That as we step into the light of Jesus, 
Suddenly we like Peter say, oh Lord, go away from me. I am a sinful man. I didn't even realize how dark my darkness was. But combined with the truth is God's full grace that declares over you, you are more accepted in love than you could have ever dared hope. It turns out that the revealing light of Jesus is not condemning. It is a gentle cleansing as he changes us. And I wonder sometimes as we get into the light of Christ and he shines on our darkness, if we push it away because we have a wrong perception of our Father in heaven, that our Father in heaven is up there like a big guy with a big stick in the sky waiting to hit us over the head every time we mess up. And Jesus, who is the exact representation of the Father, showed up and he showed us what the Father is like by dying on the cross in our place. And he does not come to condemn. In fact, Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. When you embrace the light of Jesus and you confess your sin before him, there is no condemnation. God doesn't condemn you. But here's what I think we often think. God must be kind of like me and I condemn me and I hate me for some of the things that I have done. And we think God must be like me. And I want to tell you, God is nothing like you and he's nothing like me. He is so much better. And he comes in all of his power and he offers you grace a gift you did not earn or deserve. Jesus came as light to reveal the Father to us, a good Father who comes with kindness, revealing light to our darkness, but not only revealing our darkness, cleansing us. I hope this Christmas that if there's things in your life that you are still hiding from your Father in heaven. There are parts of your life, and often sin is like onions because onions are sinful, but there's parts of your life that as you unlayer the onion, it's true, Josh, don't shake your head, it's true. As the onion is, God shows, his light shines deeper, and it shines deeper, and it shines deeper. And as the light reveals darkness, And maybe there's a tough area of your life that you've just never opened up to confession to your Father in heaven. That this Christmas you would see in every light in your house, in every light on the street, that Jesus came as light, but it's a kind light. And you can embrace your soul to the light and walk in the light because he's already forgiven and cleansed your darkness. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that 700 years before the light came in its fullness, you already declared that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in a land of deep darkness, the light has dawned. And Father, I pray for us as we, in our human nature, are in deep darkness that the light would dawn in each of us, that we would receive the babe in a manger who came to die on a cross for our sin, the uncreated one 
who shows us the love of our Father in heaven. May we be those who receive your love, receive your life, and receive your light. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.